the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get started at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the 27th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Appreciate you being with us. Coming up in, uh, well, over an hour. It'll be next hour. We're going to talk to Mark Metcalf. He is a former immigration judge. And he's currently a county prosecutor working down in Kentucky. And we're going to talk to him about his immigration expertise, about the president and the administration's warning of liberal, democratically run states uh, that have decided to ban ICE agents from working or being anywhere near a courthouse. That's right. Different states, liberal states, particularly Washington and California, and Oregon have uh, banned ICE from being in courthouses. They don't want them uh, potentially arresting anybody who may be in the country illegally because then it may keep people who should be in courthouses away for fear of ICE. And uh, that's a very serious situation. President Trump and his team is addressing it. They are addressing it. And um, Judge Metcalf, former Judge Metcalf, will be joining us to talk about that coming up next hour. This hour, this is. I just want to start this. First of all, we're guest-free in the first hour. <clears throat> I do have Peter Kersenow scheduled to talk to me today, but it will not be in this hour nor the next. I will be hosting uh, America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka in for Dr. Gorka coming up this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Kersenow will join me then in the first hour of the broadcast. So just kind of a little pre-planning for you if you have this opportunity to listen during the day. And you already listened to Dr. Gorka. You will hear me this afternoon at 3 o'clock. And Kirsten, I will be my guest at 3.30. So I'm very much looking forward to that. 
I think it's, I'm, I'm kind of almost hitting for the cycle, the Salem cycle. I've done Hewitt's show multiple times. I've done Prager's show multiple times. I've done Elder's show multiple times. This will be my first time for Dr. Gorka. Very much looking forward to that. And uh, I think the only one I don't do uh, it would be Gallagher's, and that's because we're on at the same time. <laughs> so this is actually actually uh, kind of a perfect thing for me. So Kirsten and I will be joining me a little bit later on today at 3.30. All right, but for now, I want to start the show this way. It's, it's open lines. We are free for all uh, day before Thanksgiving because this is our last live show of the week. Okay, so I'm kind of treating it like a Friday. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving Day. We'll have the best of the Bob France Authority. A lot of great interviews from days gone by. Uh, and then on Friday, more of the same. On Black Friday, we will have that for you. So this is our last live show of the week, not counting, of course, Dr. Gorka this afternoon, as I mentioned. So we'll do uh, Free For All Friday this first hour, and uh, it's wide open for you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will get you right here. You can also tweet to me, Facebook comment to me, parlor comment to me, at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. I just thought this was the funniest thing in the world. You remember the tryout, or not the tryout, rather, it was a workout, it was a league sponsored workout that the NFL gave to free agent quarterback Colin Kaepernick uh, a couple of Saturdays ago. And the idea was to give teams a real look at the guy who says that he's been blackballed from the league because of his anti-police, anti-flag, anti-national anthem uh, protesting and activism that he's done. He claims he is one of the best 64 quarterbacks in the world meaning he could either be the first or second team player for any one of the 32 teams that are in the league. So he says the fact that he is one of the best 64 and he's not in the league is proof that he is being blackballed by the league, that he's being victimized by collusion among the owners, all of whom say, no, let's nobody bring him in. He's bad for the league. There was a lawsuit over that, by the way. If you did not know, last year it was settled for an unknown amount. Not exactly sure how much they gave Kaepernick, but it is not believed, according to insiders, to be very much. Uh, it's just that the NFL felt like they had to give him something because it would have cost them more to uh, in attorney's fees to defend themselves in an actually protracted trial situation um, to prove that they did not collude with one another against Kaepernick. So, at any rate... It is also believed by many on the inside, uh, in some reporting that has been done on that front, that part of the settlement was the league would offer him an opportunity to display his wares before all teams in a, in a kind of a mini one-man scouting combine. They would let him work out and throw and do whatever uh, for all the teams to see if somebody wants to bring him in. So that's what they offered him two weeks ago. If you're not a sports fan, I get it. You don't know, you don't know all of this, and you don't care either. But I'm going somewhere with it. Believe me, this isn't a sports analysis uh, segment. So they gave it to him uh, uh, two weeks ago. They were supposed to hold it in Atlanta, Georgia's, um, the Atlanta Falcon, rather, uh, Falcon's uh, uh, stadium, using their facilities. And uh, he pulled... Uh, an audible, called an audible at the last second and did not show up where 28 teams had gathered to watch him work out. He moved it 60 minutes away, 60 miles down the road to some Georgia high school where he controlled everything instead of the league controlling everything. Problem is, only eight teams followed him. They felt like this is ridiculous. 
this guy wants a job from us, and yet he's going to yank our chain like this. Only eight teams followed him. And the workout got mediocre reviews at best. But I'm here to report to you this morning that it worked. An NFL team has offered a tryout after that Colin Kaepernick workout. That team is the Cleveland Browns. That's why this is such a fun story. The Colin Kaepernick workout in front of all teams that wanted to watch him has indeed resulted in a tryout. But the beauty of this story, it's not a tryout for Colin Kaepernick. One of the receivers that he was throwing the football to in his workout for the league is the guy that got a tryout by the Cleveland Browns. This is honestly one of uh, the most fun stories I've seen in a long time. I saw the headline, actually I saw a tweet about this, that Kaepernick receiver gets tryout from Browns, but not Kaepernick himself. That was the best thing that I've ever seen. A reporter, an NFL reporter named uh, Howard Balzer, reported in a tweet yesterday, and I'll read the entire thing, NFL tryout slash visit report from Monday. Browns, cornerback D. Delaney, defensive ends Terrence Feed or Fed, Noah Spencer, defensive tackles Walter Palmore, Karen Reed, and wide receiver Jordan Vesey. Jordan Vesey is the is the name that you need to pay attention to here because he was one of Colin Kaepernick's receivers who was just playing a part in Colin Kaepernick's big NFL workout and scouting combine, if you will. And this guy gets the tryout from the Browns, not Kaepernick. That is just classic. Somebody also tweeted uh, yesterday that it's almost like the league is just trolling Colin Kaepernick now. And they're not, but that's kind of how it feels too. And even that makes me smile. If they are, I don't believe they are. I don't think the league is trying to do anything. I don't think there's any collusion. I just think nobody wants to sign a very average to below average quarterback talent who brings nothing but headaches into the locker room to the front office, to the fan base, to the local media, because of his extremely polarizing views and activism on so many different levels. Uh, they're not trolling him, really. Uh, it's just that nobody wants to bring him around, and the fact that they did bring around one of the guys he was throwing the football to is just that much more fun. So that's the story of the day, as far as I'm concerned. Now, we do have a lot of other things to talk about, including the assault on Thanksgiving. Is there really an attack on Thanksgiving? President Trump said there was last night at his big rally in Sunrise, Florida. He said that there is an attack on Thanksgiving, and he is determined to defend it against the wildly radical left. Quite frankly, I don't know that anybody's really attacking the name Thanksgiving, but I do know what his point was. His point was they are trying to attack not the name, but what Thanksgiving is a celebration of. Yes, it is a celebration of giving thanks for the uh, the incredible uh, history, uh, the pilgrims who came to this country and were taken in and welcomed by the Native Americans who are already here and uh, taught them to fish, taught them to hunt, taught, taught them to grow things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it was a wonderful, wonderful marriage of uh, uh, of uh, sorts between the two different cultures. And we give thanks for their their heroism and thanks for their courage. To to uh, get there. But to those on the far left that the president is talking about, including teachers 
and textbook writers and administrators and those choosing curriculum for students, no, we shouldn't celebrate Thanksgiving because what it really was is the beginning of the assault and the uh, the uh, uh, Holocaust, if you will, or the uh, genocide of the indigenous peoples in this country. So they are trying to attack Thanksgiving. We're going to defend it with some pretty important facts that you're going to need to hear. That'll be coming up in just a bit. Uh, wild Democrat fluctuation on impeachment. One deep blue Democratic district holder, seat holder in Congress, Brenda Lawrence in Michigan, was for impeachment, then said she wasn't for impeachment, then quickly after hearing from the Democrat overlord said, okay, I'm just kidding, I'm still for impeachment. But are there cracks in the armor? Are there cracks in the armor? She might be in a deep blue district, but a lot of other Democrats are not. They're in purple or red districts, and they fear the judgment of the voters if they vote to impeach Donald Trump. So are they losing their nerve? We will talk about that. We got gun stories to talk about today and so many other things, but I will leave it up to you. It is a free for all Wednesday, as that's our last live show of the week, and you can be a part of it. Dial now 216-901-0945 right after this. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. So last night in uh, Sunrise, Florida, the president, uh, holding another Keep America Great rally, went after those who he says are going after Thanksgiving. He told supporters in Sunrise that he would not bow to the radical left and allow them to change the name Thanksgiving. Now, this has led to a lot of mockery of the president by the left. who said, who is trying to change the name of Thanksgiving? And maybe we don't hear a lot of people talking about the name Thanksgiving the way they did try to change Christmas, as the president noted. He said he realized uh, they were going after Christmas in a big, big way. And back in 2016, during his campaign, he said he would ensure that people can say Merry Christmas again in stores in public places instead of being obliged for the, uh, you know, to the uh, secular greeting, Happy Holidays. And he was right. He was right. Thanksgiving, I don't think so many people are going after the name of. It's the uh, event that it commemorates. And he's right about that. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. The College Fix, this video uh, of uh, interviews with snowflake students at McAllister College in Minnesota. Uh, a bunch of snowflakes were asked, is it okay to celebrate Thanksgiving? Here's a sampling of what the uh, College Fix was able to find. Yeah, well, I think that like Thanksgiving has been misconstrued a lot. Um, especially in textbooks, and it's kind of just based off of the genocide of indigenous people. Um, and I don't really think that we actually give thanks on Thanksgiving. We just eat a bunch of food, and it's just a bunch of... Uh, so anyway, what most of these snowflakes did say was that this is not a celebration of anything. This is not giving thanks for anything. This is a commemoration of the murder of indigenous peoples. That's what the snowflake generation is being taught. I don't blame them. I blame those who are indoctrinating them. But I also would like to respond to that. With Bill Federer, uh, the American Minute, he is one of the foremost uh, historians, honestly, in America today, particularly when it comes to matters of these like these. And the American Minute with Bill Federer tells the truth about Thanksgiving and why it is that we do commemorate it, and why it is not about indigenous peoples being killed, etc. On November 21st, 1620, 
the Pilgrims signed the Mayflower Compact and began their Plymouth colony. Of the 102 Pilgrims who arrived, only 47 would survive until the spring. At one point, only a half dozen were healthy enough to care for the rest. In the spring of 1621, the Indian Squanto came among them and showed them how to catch fish, plant corn, trap beaver, and was the interpreter, their interpreter with other Indian tribes. Governor William Bradford described Squanto as a special instrument sent of God for their good beyond their expectation. Bradford added the settlers began to plant their corn, in which service Squanto stood them in good stead, showing them how to plant it and cultivate it. He also told them, told them that unless they got fish to manure this exhausted old soil, it would come to nothing. And in the middle of April, plenty of fish would come up to the brook, and he taught them how to catch it. A pilgrim, Edward Winslow, recorded in Mort's Relation that in the fall of 1621, our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling so that we might, uh, uh, after a special manner, rejoice together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. They four in one day killed as much fowl as, with a little help beside, served the company for almost a week, at which time, amongst other recreations, we exercised our arms, many of the Indians coming amongst us, and among the uh, the rest, their greatest king, with some ninety men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted. And they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor, and upon the captain, and others. And although it uh, be not always so plentiful as it was at this time, with us, yet by goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. Bradford described the same event, saying, And besides waterfowl, there was a great store of wild turkeys, of which they took many, besides venison, etc. Besides, they had, a pe- uh, had about a peck of meal a week to a person, or now since harvest, Indian corn to that proportion. So the idea of a fall day of Thanksgiving may have come to the pilgrims after they moved to Leyden, Holland in 1609. Dutch citizens there annually gave thanks to God for William of Orange in 1574, ending the bloody Spanish furies where Spain's Iron Duke of Alba had butchered tens of thousands. But this is when the idea of giving thanks for all that they had been given, including all of the assistance that had been provided to them, it was believed to have come from the Almighty. Every year throughout the city, a general day of prayer and thanksgiving held and celebrated on the 3rd of October to thank and praise God Almighty so that he so mercifully had saved the city from her enemies was the beginning of the idea of an annual day of thanks. Pilgrims would have, uh, would have seen Jews celebrating the annual Thanksgiving Feast of Tabern- Tabernacles in September and October. Pilgrims identified with Jews who fled from Pharaoh across the Red Sea in search of their promised land as the pilgrims fled from the king of England across the sea in search of their promised land. The Israelites had self-government called Hebrew Republic for 400 years before uh, they asked for a king. This was an example to the Puritan reformers and to the pilgrim separatists. So all of this history, and it can continue on uh, in, in, at great length and in, in, in much detail, and I don't want to go through all of that. But the point is, yes, this is a day, this is a time rather, and a day that has been set aside to give thanks for God's great graciousness and His uh, uh, His security and God's blessings upon everyone. He saved people from starvation. He He brought through instruments of His own goodness people, including the Native Americans, to help them. They all worked with one another to aid and learn more about one another's cultures to the mutual benefit of everyone. 
that is worthy of giving thanks. No matter what the schools are teaching students, no matter what the students are trying to regurgitate from their professors, this is a day of gracious thanks to God for everything he has given. And it is something that should always be viewed that way, no matter how much snowflakery is intended to disrupt it. Just wanted to get that there. The president last night talked about the attack on Thanksgiving being similar to the attack on Christmas, and maybe the name part isn't quite true, but the principle really is, and it's worth our attention. All right, 9.30, we'll take a quick time out, get news. Uh, I want to get you involved at 216-901-0945, and open lines free-for-all Wednesday, at least until our guest Mark Metcalf coming up at 10.35. Dial now, we'll get you up and on the radio quickly. Here at AM 1420, The Answer. Here we are indeed at 9.35 on this Wednesday edition of The Authority. Thanks for being with us. Phone lines are open at 216-901-945-888-281-1110. So I mentioned Democrats perhaps losing their nerve, losing their will to try to push through this ridiculous um, phony sham of an impeachment process to try to push this thing to the Senate to actually have a trial. There may be uh, some hesitance to do this in certain places. Specifically, I want to talk about uh, Brenda Lawrence. Brenda Lawrence is in a deep blue district up in Michigan, and she is in no danger of, of, of losing her seat because of where she is. However, other Democrats are, and when they saw the polls that said or that showed uh, more and more Americans being opposed to impeachment and support for impeachment declining sharply in recent surveys, they're wondering, are their seats safe? If they're in a red or a purple district and people do not like the idea of impeaching the president for this ridiculous nonsense, then maybe, just maybe, we should back off a little bit. Well, Brenda uh, Lawrence is not even one of those. She's in a deep blue district, yet still... Despite voting for, as all but two Democrats did, that, quote, I was an early supporter. No, I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me find the quote here. I want to find the quote here. I've got two different quotes, actually, and I want to make sure I do them in order. Here we go. She said, you don't have to, or excuse me, you can censure. You don't have to remove the president, she said in this interview uh, on Sunday. We are so close to an election. I will tell you, sitting here, knowing how divided this country is, I don't see the value of kicking him out of office. But I do see the value of putting down a marker saying his behavior is not acceptable. So she's saying a censure of his uh, phone call and the things that he said in his phone call with the president of Ukraine would be enough. Now, I'll say this. I don't think he even deserves a censure. I think what he inquired of President Zelensky in Ukraine was not only appropriate, but was pretty much mandatory. He was obligated to look into corruption in the third most corrupt country in the known world before he gave our money to them. But if something does have to happen here, a reasonable person would say that censorship would be much more appropriate than impeachment. So I will give her that. And I also give her credit for being a a Democrat, a liberal Democrat, 
bucking her party's, you know, avowed movement toward impeachment. They're not even a movement. It's a, it's a rush. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a freight train toward impeachment that left the station way back on November 8, 2016 when he was elected, if not before. Certainly by the time he was inaugurated. So her willingness to not be on that train is, is admirable to a degree. In fact, let me let you hear a little bit of that conversation. This is uh, uh, Democratic Representative Brenda Lawrence saying that she really thinks we should stop the shift show and just talk about censorship instead of impeachment. So it will be a partisan vote, Democrat and Republican. It will go to the Senate and take it up, or if they take it up, they will not indict. So you've already written the show. You already know how it's going to go, right? I I haven't written it, but I will tell you that's my best sense of what will happen being in this bubble that I'm in in D.C. and the way things are going. If, if, you, if you don't mind, I, I'm, I'm not a dumb person. I, I'm not the smartest either. But I, what did he do that's... Uh, so impeachable that we're going to tear the United States president out of the chair. There's a couple things that happen in impeachment. Uh, You can censor. You don't have to remove the president. So there's different levels of activities that you can take under the articles of impeachment. Um, We are so close to an election. I will tell you sitting here knowing how divided this country is, I don't see the value of taking him out of office. So that's what Brenda Lawrence, the Democrat from Michigan, told uh, Charlie LaDuff on a podcast, the BS NewsHour on a podcast on Sunday. That wigged out um, a lot of liberal Democrats, including probably leadership uh, at the uh, in the House, including Nancy Pelosi and people like Chairman Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler and so on and so forth. So she says, uh, we're so close to an election, it makes no sense. I don't see the value of pulling him or kicking him out of office. But then the leadership got a hold of her, either the leadership or the squids. And I don't know. I don't know who would be more likely to have gotten to her. But in very short order, she turned around and issued a clarification saying, and I quote, I was an early supporter for impeachment in 2017. More on that in a moment. The House Intelligence Committee followed a very thorough process in holding hearings these past two weeks. The information they revealed confirmed that this president was, has abused the power of his office. Therefore, I continue to support impeachment. So she flipped from... I want impeachment to I think censorship is enough, then flipped back again to no, I remain in in support of impeachment. Which lets you know again that these people are not thinking on their own. They are being directed and led by Pelosi and Schiff and the others who are at the head of the party, especially in the Congress. But what's more telling to me in the quote that I just shared with you, and this is what a lot of people are, are focusing on right now, is Brenda Lawrence is flipping and flopping and then flipping back again to impeachment. What's more important is in her official statement, which she issued yesterday. I was an early supporter for impeachment in 2017. When was that phone call to Ukraine made again? 
September, or excuse me, July 25th? In 2019? Yeah, it was just two months ago, or actually about four months ago now, beg your pardon. It was about four months ago. But she was a supporter for impeachment in 2017. What were you trying to impeach him on in 2017? He had just taken office. What was there to impeach him on? He didn't have a phone call to Ukraine. Why were you trying to impeach him in 2017? Oh, that's right, Russia. He must have colluded with Russia. But in 2017, they had just barely appointed the special prosecutor to investigate that, the special counsel, Bob Mueller. He hadn't come up with any conclusions yet. He hadn't uh, come forth with a report yet. He hasn't testified before Congress yet. Yet you are admitting you were an early supporter of impeachment in 2017. That is and should totally trump the, no- the, the narrative here or the, the real story. The original story here, which was uh, supporting or opposing impeachment or censorship now in 2019, all over the Ukraine phone call. Her admission that she was 2017, in 2017, a supporter of impeachment, tells you all you need to know. This isn't about the Ukrainian phone call. This is about nothing more or less than politics. He won an election. We didn't want him to win. He won an election that Hillary Clinton was supposed to win. And we don't like it. Let's impeach him. Rashida Tlaib, Sharia Tlaib, came into the Congress screaming, we're going to impeach the mother blanker. Al Green said, if we don't impeach him, he's going to get reelected. Maxine every into every microphone she could find. Impeach 45! Impeach 45! They've been screaming about impeachment since Donald Trump was elected and certainly uh, since he was inaugurated. This has nothing to do with Ukraine, except for one small factor. The other factor here as we connect the dots is who was involved in Ukraine. We know about Hunter Biden already. What we may not know much about is Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's son, who made money in Ukraine on the up and up or in a corrupt manner. That is exactly what needs to be investigated, and it's exactly why the Democrats are trying to impeach Donald Trump over this. Yes, they've been trying to impeach him since he was elected. Yes, they wanted to impeach him the moment he was inaugurated. Yes, the Washington Post ran a headline 11 minutes after the inauguration saying the impeachment of Donald Trump has begun. But specifically, they're jumping at this Ukraine situation, not because there's a lot of evidence here, not because there's a smoking gun here, there is not, but they're jumping on this because they've got a lot to hide. If Trump was successful in having an investigation done, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden would be swept up in it. And now we find out, so would Paul Pelosi, Speaker Nancy Pelosi's son. This report is from One American News, telling the truth about somebody that most Americans don't know about at all. Paul Pelosi, 
and Nancy Pelosi's connection to Ukraine to add to the Hunter Biden and Joe Biden connection in Ukraine. Business deals in Ukraine and China. Kara McKinney. Hold on, hold on. That didn't start where it was supposed to. As the Ukraine scandal backfires on the Biden family, the Pelosi's may be the next to come under scrutiny. An old promotional video resurfaced on Thursday, more than six years after it was uploaded by an energy company which does business in Ukraine. The video starts out with Nancy Pelosi speaking about her efforts in office to push for clean energy. Breaking a crippling addiction to oil. Her message is followed by a promotional statement from her son, Paul, who is a board member of Visc Oil and an executive at its related company, Energy Lab. My name is Paul Pelosi. Of course, I'm on the board of Visco Oil. And Visco's here today to talk about accelerating the future. And that's what Visco Oil does. It uses technology to maximize the use of natural resources, uh, like oil and other resources. Just two years after this video was uploaded, Pelosi led a congressional delegation to Ukraine to discuss issues like energy security. And her son traveled to the country as recently as 2017 on behalf of the Corporate Governance Initiative, where he now serves as executive director. While the official reason given for his visit was to discuss a youth soccer partnership program with the Ukrainian government, clips of that trip are now reportedly being removed from online. One of those clips was saved by the American Mirror on Twitter with the caption, What's really going on here? So you run a court, you have a corporate governance business and you're here in Ukraine speaking with representatives from the government, uh, investment bankers discussing certain things related to the soccer. Exactly. This comes as Hunter Biden faces similar allegations. They use his father's position to make lucrative business deals in Ukraine and China. Kara McKinney, One American News. Want to see more videos like... Okay, so that's One American News doing some of the legwork that needed to be done here to point out two things. Number one... Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden are in the same boat. Their kids both were working with energy company companies in Ukraine, and Ukraine is clearly one of the three, or was anyway, under the last government before the reformer Zelensky was elected, and that's who the president talked to, one of the three most corrupt nations in the world. That's number one. Both of them were involved. And number two... Donald Trump, before sending aid to them to the tune of $400 million, wanted the new reformer government to investigate to make sure that the old corrupt government was indeed put out of business. We want you to look into these these, uh, uh, energy companies because there are a lot of reports that there are a lot of underhanded dealings going on, including money laundering in these energy companies. And lo and behold, there are two prominent siblings of prominent Democrat politicians from the United States on the boards of those companies. The Democrats need to impeach, not just to stop him from winning re-election, as you heard from Nancy Pelosi herself, saying it's dangerous to let the 2020 election happen. The stupid people might vote him in again. Al Green saying if we don't impeach him, uh, he will be re-elected. It's not just about that. They're impeaching him not just to stop him from winning the White House again. They're impeaching him to stop him from ordering or um, talking to or suggesting any more investigations that could lead to the destruction of their Democrat leaders. The Speaker of the House third in line to the presidency and the former vice president who wants to be the Democratic nominee. They've got to keep these people clean or at least as clean as they can, they can possibly be made to look. How are you going to keep them clean if you've got people out there investigating? 
You got One American News reporting on Pelosi. Obviously, multiple uh, agencies have reported on Hunter Biden, including Joe Biden himself, who, of course, bragged about getting the prosecutor who was investigating Burisma and his son and their role in corruption in uh, cahoots with the old Ukrainian government. You, I mean, seriously, you think about that. They had something to gain there. Joe Biden said, I've got to get that prosecutor fired so he can't find anything on us. And now, even though he is gone, as he bragged about getting done within six hours, Donald Trump is talking about more investigations. I'm going to ask this question. It's kind of a, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but not really when you consider the fact that they want to impeach the President of the United States for this. Why should it be considered inappropriate or improper for any president to inquire about potential corrupt activities by political rivals. Now, I ask that on the basis of the Democrats' contention that he wanted Ukraine to, quote, meddle in the American election by digging up dirt on one of his potential political opponents, that being Joe Biden, by way of son Hunter Biden. When you frame it that way, it does sound like that's a problem. But when you frame it a different way, shouldn't it be incumbent upon all government officials to root out corruption, even if it involves a political rival? What, are we supposed to turn our head, turn a blind eye? Hey, I see corruption in a country we're about to send $400 million to. But that corruption is being committed by a political rival of mine, so I have to look the other way. I've got to shut my eyes and let the money go. Is that right? Is that how this is supposed to be? Or wouldn't it be considered the right thing to do for Donald Trump to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Do you know Joe Biden's son is over there on this board and that he could potentially get favors from his dad, the vice president of the United States, to benefit Ukraine? This is the problem. He has to bite his tongue and not say anything about that? Not withhold the aid because Joe Biden has decided to run for president? What if Joe Biden was not running for president? And the president uncovered the same thing or asked the same questions? Would that change the nature of this? Would Donald Trump's actions be considered any different or any more dangerous if Joe Biden wasn't running? This is a big, big issue. Are we supposed to close our eyes to corruption if the corruption is being committed by a political rival? Or is it our duty, rather than to close our eyes to the corruption, but rather to shine a light on the corruption? 216 the Bob France Authority, back after this. Through downtown, through greater Cleveland, on 102.5 FM, it's the Bob France Authority. All right, 9.57 onward. And upward on this uh, free-for-all Wednesday. Again, last live show of the week. Tomorrow we'll have the best of. The uh, authority for Thanksgiving Day will do the same thing on Friday. 
And uh, I just look forward to hearing uh, from you today at 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. You know why everything is changing. You know why so many of the Democrats are now concerned about... Um, sorry about that. You want to, You know why they are now so concerned about... Um, uh, voting for impeachment or articles of impeachment, uh, especially if they are from the the uh, red or the purple districts that Donald Trump carried or is competitive in, uh, it's because they can see the handwriting on the wall. The the tide is turned, particularly on this program a lot, and he will today. By the way, <clears throat> at three uh, thirty when I'm hosting the uh, for Sebastian Gorka this afternoon. Uh, but black voters are turning away from Democrats. In massive numbers. Uh, Anna Navarro Cardenas from CNN, one of the most vile, uh, screeching, um, uh, shrill liberal voices on CNN, managed to produce one of the most offensive tweets of the year in response to news that black voters are turning out for President Trump. As a matter of fact, President Trump now shows in not just one, but multiple polls, Black job approval ratings of 34%. He got 8% of the black vote, which is about standard for Republican candidates in the 2016 election. He got 8%. His job approval rating now among black voters is 34%. And Anna Navarro from CNN tweeted, zero chance this is accurate. Zero. The poll must have only been conducted in the homes of Ben Carson, Kanye, that sheriff guy with the hat, and those two cubic zirconia and polyester spandex ladies, end quote. She, of course, is talking in the last two about Sheriff David Clark and then uh, Diamond and Silk. She literally just said there's no way, 0% chance, that black voters are smart enough. Actually, in her mind, it would be dumb enough to support Donald Trump, with the exception of these idiots, in her mind, Carson and Kanye, etc., etc. That's what she said, and do you know what that meant? Fear. Liberal Democrats are terrified of black voters leaving the Democratic Party, engaging in Blexit, the black exit, exit, started by Candace Owens, and advanced by so many others from the Democrat Party and joining the Republican and President Trump movement. They're terrified of black voters leaving, and that's one of the reasons why they are all now very, very concerned about their votes for potential impeachment and what it might mean for their chances of re-election. More on this after the news, which is now. right. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.